Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. If you think about it, the way you think about yourself affects everything in life. Anything you do, even the things you don't do. How you feel about other people, how other people feel about you. Well, we deal with marriages, so let's talk about that right now. How does your own self-esteem, the way you view you, affect your marriage, affect your spouse, affect you, and the marriage as a whole? Hi. I'm Dr. Joe Beam with Marriage Helper. This is Kimberly Beam Holmes. She is our CEO. Kimberly, you have a master's degree in psychology and will soon, Lord willing, have your PhD completed in psychology. So this is an area right perfect for you, the psychologist. How does self-esteem affect marriage? Self-esteem. First of all, let's define what self-esteem is. That would be a good idea. So self-esteem is a person's view of themselves, their feelings of their own self-worth, which actually self-worth is different than self-esteem. So self-worth is actually... There are more can, there are more domains in which a person identifies their self-worth or looks at how worthy they are in certain domains as opposed to self-esteem is more of a global assessment that a person has of their overall uh, feelings of how good they are. So Rosenberg's self-esteem scale is a classic self-esteem scale. It has 10 measurements. But one of the questions is, I feel like I have enough worth or am as good of value as my peers. And that's basically this one of the main questions of it. And it's all about that. I feel like and when compared to other people, I'm viewed as good as they are. That's kind of overall what self-esteem is. But self-worth really breaks down more into what are the ways in which I assess that self-esteem? And we begin looking there. Jennifer Crocker's done some great work on this. And uh, as a researcher, she's identified seven areas, it may be nine, but at least seven areas of contingencies of self-worth where people look at how good they do in academics, their appearance, their um, competition, so how much they win compared to someone else. So these are the more specific areas from which someone bases their self-esteem So in self-worth then, I might have strong self-worth when it comes to my academic ability and low self-worth when it comes to my appearance. Absolutely. And this could affect your overall self-esteem, depending on how important those areas are to each person individually. So you might have strong, you might place more of your overall self-esteem or self or self-worth, I guess, in this area uh, in academics. But if I don't personally care about that as much, then if I feel like I'm not good in that, it's not going to overall affect my self-esteem. But if I put a large amount of my self-worth in appearance, and I feel like that's where I'm failing compared to other people, then it's going to take an overall hit on me. Now, when it comes to these areas of self-worth, I said, there's either seven or nine. Um, I believe there's actually seven. There are three of them that are healthy. 
The other four of them are unhealthy overall. If people put their self-worth mostly in those areas, then overall they have lower levels of well-being. The three areas that are healthy to have your self-worth based on, uh, one is family support. So I care about how my family is there for me and how I am there for my family. That's a big deal to me. When that is high, they tend to have overall higher levels of self uh, of well-being. We also look at virtue. So this has to do with uh, things like integrity, the morals that you carry, the kind of person that you want to be. When that's a big deal to people, they tend to have higher levels of well-being. And then finally is God's love. Again, this is secular research, but in the secular research, they've identified that when someone realizes that something bigger and better than them, specifically God in the research, loves them, that they tend to have higher levels of overall well-being as a pair, as compared to putting their their view of themselves and how well they're doing academically or appearance-wise or if they're winning compared to other people and things like that. That's very interesting. So how does that affect marriage? So when we look at marriage, we tend to see where people start looking for their self-worth to be uh, aided, I guess we could say, by their spouse. So if someone has lower feelings of self-esteem, then they may look to their spouse to speak better of them or to fill that level. So to tell them that they're good enough or to treat them in certain ways in order to bolster their self-esteem, but it's still going to continue to keep them in a cycle of looking to this other person to bolster their self-esteem. Or they may, if if we go back to self-worth, if they have, if appearance is a big deal to them, then they're going to want their spouse to constantly tell them how beautiful or how handsome they are or make a comment on that. If their spouse were to look at someone else and say something about them, it would take a huge hit to them because they're basing how they feel about themselves in that area on how their spouse is reacting back towards them. So this is where the negative part of self-esteem comes in. If I'm looking to someone else to fill it in me, then it's going to keep me acting in such a way to where I, I, I'm looking to how they're responding to me. And if it's not what I want, I'm going to change what I do to get them to respond to me. So looking at this in a different way, at Marriage Helper, we talk about our pies, the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual parts of attraction. And we say, you don't do this for your spouse. You do it for you. And the reason for that, when we actually look at the research, is if you're and what we found actually from our people, from our audience, from our our clients that were doing this, the ones who would say, well, I'm working on my pies to get them back. So I'm going to do these certain things. And as long as they're turning back towards me, then I'll know it's working. But if for any reason I'm doing these things, even though they're good, and they begin to turn away from me, even if what I'm doing is right, then I'm going to throw it all out and just give up. And that's why this is so harmful. When you're looking to your spouse to fill that need in you of feeling loved and worthy and good enough, you're never going to feel loved and worthy and good enough. And you're likely going to end up doing things unknowingly that are pushing your spouse away. That you actually think should be pulling them towards you. But really, you're just wanting your own needs to be filled. And how fair is that to the spouse? Well, it's not fair at all because you're placing them on a pedestal that they can't possibly achieve. They so can't. You're putting, you're putting your own self-esteem, you're writing yourself in, in their hands. That's right. 
That's right. Or you're expecting them to fix it. And so that's why this can become detrimental. So how do you work on having higher levels of self-esteem? Well, this is what's really interesting in the research is that there's been a lot of studies done on when people have high self-esteem, you know, what is what are some great things that happen when people have high or average levels of self-esteem? What are the negative outcomes when people have low self-esteem? But there's been less research on what shifts your self-esteem. And so that's actually what I am focusing some of my dissertation on, which is can self-esteem levels change when certain interventions happen? Now, from not research-based research, but from anecdotal evidence of what we've seen in the clients we work with, I fundamentally believe working on your pies is a huge part of this. Because when we talk about the physical part of attraction, we're not talking about appearance. And we try and tell people this isn't about looking like a model. This is about feeling the best that you can for your mm-hmm. age and situation in life. Mm-hmm. Intellectually, continue to learn and to grow. This helps people to, to believe in themselves more because they are continuing to grow their mind, different things. Emotionally, that really encompasses some of that family support. When I'm evoking emotions within my spouse, within my kids that they enjoy feeling, then it really becomes a more stable relationship. And then I can feel support back from that. Spiritually, God's love. When you begin to realize that you are loved fully how you are before you ever did anything to earn it, then that has a positive impact on how you see yourself. So working on your pies, I believe, is a huge intervention in being able to help increase those self-esteem levels. Awesome. And, And that then will in turn affect the way your spouse interacts with you. Yes. In positive ways, hopefully. Yes. And again, that's not the reason we do it. But when when we are coming from a more confident self, then our spouse is going to see us as a more confident self. And we tend to have better relationships. Two people who have average to high self-esteem levels, but not so high that they think too highly of themselves. Um, But when they have those stable levels of self-esteem and two people are in that relationship, then they tend to have better marriages than where someone has a low self-esteem and one has average to high versus two people having low self-esteem because there's always going to be one or both people in those other scenarios where they're looking to the other person to fulfill them in ways the other person can't. And so both of them feel unfulfilled. Yes, that's right. Well, I can see that. I've actually talked to couples over the years where one, let's just say it's the husband. It could be either where one is like, I, I don't know what else to do. I try to assure her I love her, et cetera, et cetera. And and it's always like she doesn't believe any of that. I wish she could believe in herself. Right. Right. And that's where we have to look at what can I do? What can I do to start to believe that I am a worthy and lovable individual? Okay. So what do people do? Well, work on their pies. Uh, But the other thing, if there really is a traumatic past, maybe there was a parent who told you that you are worthless and would amount to nothing, uh, working on your pies isn't going to be the total answer there. There will likely need to be some trauma intervention, doing uh, different therapies like EMDR or, or someone who can just help you work through really processing those false beliefs and false narratives about yourself, because that is... I mean, the way that we talk to ourselves absolutely makes such a difference in what we believe 
mm-hmm. about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that has that has to be addressed. So finding a counselor, if that's where you are, is an important step there. But if you're listening and you're saying, well, I didn't have, you know, a deeply traumatic past, then even just being conscious of your self-talk, what am I saying about myself to myself and changing that narrative in your head is a huge, a huge step in the right direction. So how can we help them? Well, a lot of what we teach inside of our Save My Marriage program, especially for the in helping people understand how to work on their pies and and look at themselves in a more positive way, physically, intellectually, emotionally and spiritually healthier, healthier. Exactly. And so in our membership and that Save My Marriage program, we help do that. But then also in my podcast, the It Starts With Attraction podcast, every week we're looking at different ways that we can better improve ourselves. So if you haven't been listening to It Starts With Attraction, there's a link in the show notes. Uh, they're posted on YouTube as well as you can listen to it wherever you're listening to this podcast. It Starts With Attraction. It Starts With Attraction. And tell them a little bit more about this as we wind up our time here about the Save My Marriage The Save My Marriage program, in there, we really help you get an understanding of what's going on in your marriage. How can you begin to calm down, get clarity, and stop doing the things that's pushing your spouse away and to start doing the things that's pulling your spouse closer? And if you want to experience that Save My Marriage program and how it's helped people think about themselves differently, a lot of times it's helping them because they realize, man, uh, I, I was beating myself up thinking I was so terrible. But now I realize I'm not a bad person. I'm not terrible. Maybe I had some things wrong, but now I understand what I need to do. And I have an encouraging, supportive environment to help me move forward in doing that. And you can go to marriagehelper.com slash podcast and see that we are actually offering a 25% off your first month of the Save My Marriage program. And we would love for you to join. Awesome. Thank you very much for being part of this, either by listening or watching. And remember, there's always hope. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Relationship Radio. My name is Jason. I'm one of the producers here on the podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or leaving us a comment on YouTube. We love hearing from you. In this episode, Kimberly specifically mentioned her podcast, It Starts With Attraction. You can find that on YouTube, on her YouTube channel. Uh, It is Kimberly Beam Holmes on YouTube, or the podcast versions are available anywhere that you listen to podcasts under the name of It Starts With Attraction. If you don't want to manually search for it, just go down to the bottom of the show notes and the link will be there. Also at the bottom of the show notes, you'll see any promotionals that we're running right now at the time of your listening. So please remember to check that out. And as Dr. Joe said, there's always hope. We'll see you in the next episode.